Hello and welcome to another episode of Des and Marco. I'm Marco. And I'm Des. Hi, Des. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Let's get this show on the road. By drinking a beer. <laughs> <laughs> what are you drinking, man? I've gone for a beer which is completely new to me. So new brewery and new beer. Which is the whole point of the show. Exactly. Try new <laughs> things, try new breweries, and have a good time. This is called Captain Lawrence Brewing Company. And it's a relatively new, so 2006, craft brewery from the United States based in Westchester and Hudson Valley. And if you know where that is, please tell me because I don't. And um, this is an effortless grapefruit IPA. And by their own description, the only thing effortless about this beer should be how it drinks. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm hoping that the natural grapefruit flavor is going to punch through. How about you? All right, wow. I've picked a beer called uh, Delirium Tremens, which has a nice little bottle with a pink elephant on it. It's from the Hugue Brewery in Belgium. Uh, I do not know if I spelled that correctly, but we can trace their origins back to the 1650s, so it goes a long way back. And my beer, the Delirium Tremens, is a blonde beer. A strong blonde beer, as it says on the bottle. So, cheers. Cheers. All right, let's get started. The news. Last episode, we talked about the giant acquisition that Microsoft made by acquiring Activision Blizzard. And we talked a little bit about what that could mean for us gamers and, you know, trying to analyze pros and cons. But surely Sony had to do something, right? Indeed. And I think this is literally a comeback to Microsoft. Yes. In the last few days, Sony announced that they have acquired Bungie, makers of the Destiny series. No, no, no. More importantly, the makers of the original Halo. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) So this is like Microsoft home turf. Yeah, that's right. But... uh, yeah, since then, Halo has moved, has been developed by, I think, 343. Possibly, I'm not fully aware. Whatever, it's like a number. But anyway, so the the IP is obviously still with Microsoft, but Bungie is no longer associated with them. Also because now they, <laughs> they belong to the Sony gaming family. I guess Sony just really needed, to <laughs> needed a win because with Microsoft owning now so many important franchises, like Doom, Fallout, Halo, Gears of War, and others. <laughs> <laughs> Sony, who who had ver- a very good PlayStation 3 and 4 eras because of their first-party titles, now maybe finds itself uh, in, a, in a bit of a pickle. But let's see what that, uh, what that brings for us gamers. But, uh, but that's not all, Des. Oh, another acquisition? You're right. I don't even know if you if you have played it, but apparently it's uh, it's the new craze of the of the moment. Do you know the the mobile game Wordle? Yes. The only thing I know about it is that it's a fun, simple word game. Yeah. The last thing I read about it was that um, people were criticizing both the Apple Store and the Google Store because essentially. It's being hijacked by loads of clones. 
Oh yeah. And people yeah, are yeah. copying this original game, which was made for free by someone who made it for his wife. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. I knew I knew about the clones and about how like that many clones have appeared. Kind of like re- reminds me of remember the what was it, Flappy Bird? Yeah. <laughs> that it was insanely popular for reasons that I cannot comprehend. But then like immediately after it became popular. A hundred different variations came out. Yeah, there's like floppy bird, flappy bard. <laughs> yeah, like... exactly. And they, yeah, yeah, and they were like obvious copies. But anyway, Wordle is this game where, and I think it's iOS only yeah. for now, where you have to guess a five-letter word and you have six tries. Every time you put a word in, you either get a green, a yellow, or a gray block on that letter. So like green means you have the right letter and it you have the right and it's in the right position as in like if you get the first letter right like if the first letter letter is a w and you write the word i don't know words the w will be green because ah, it's it's a bit like mastermind but you would work yeah yeah exactly it's exactly like that and then it's like if it's if it's yellow it's the right letter but it's not in the right place anyway insanely popular you'll see all all over twitter for example there's people that put their daily results and also i think one of the mechanics if you want to call it that is that the um, you there's one word per day so you can't do more than one ah okay and did sony buy them as well no (laughs) another gaming juggernaut bought them the new york times (laughs) (laughs) so i guess the new york Times now Enters the gaming world, although I think they already do crossword puzzles. In 3D. With ray tracing. (laughs) So that's that. But then I can already feel you about to ask me the question, how does Amazon react to this? Well, there's... Go ahead. (laughs) The way... (laughs) So Jeff Bezos reacts by basically asking the city of Rotterdam in the Netherlands to take a bridge apart so he can pass with his giant yacht. I did read about this, and it's like a, <laughs> a listed bridge, isn't it? It's like a historical monument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's hundreds of years old. I don't know. But, yeah, it's basically going to be dismantled just so he can pass with his boat, which is ridiculous. Yeah, and so, like, the citizens of Rotterdam are protesting about that because, allegedly, the city had... Like, it was... it had It's a bridge that just finished being renovated, and so it was taken apart and now put back together. Yeah, and apparently it's going to be taken apart again. <laughs> I have um, some good news, seeing as we're on the topic of gaming studios. And um, right. this regards uh, one of my favorite games, No Man's Sky, the, the creators called Hello Games. The infamous Hello Games. This dates back to when they were struggling developers. And um, their first hit game was called Joe Danger, which I think was an iOS-only motorcycle game where you just had to make this character called Joe Danger do the biggest jumps possible and stunts or whatever. Okay. And um, this is back in the early days of iOS, like maybe 2010. But they had mortgaged their houses, like this was their first game. And it ended up being successful. I think there was a Joe Danger 2 as well. But it's long since been abandoned because they've moved on to like bigger budgets and and things like No Man's Sky. They got a lot of stick for No Man's Sky for under-delivering or over-promising, one of the two. Or both. Or both, exactly. And they were kind of made the villains, but they have turned it around. Like I think the whole gaming community and, well, tech community 
acknowledges that they've done good because they've continued plugging at it and eventually prom- uh, delivered on their promises and more. So they've yeah. done well. And essentially, they, they received an email which they've published on their Twitter account from a parent of an autistic child. The parent basically says that the autistic child loved Joe Danger and they essentially used it like a bartering tool with the child. So, you know, if he behaved well or if he was in a public space and he was stressed, they'd be like, you can have 10 minutes of Joe Danger. And the kid went, you know, super well behaved. It was their thing. And because it's they've had to buy a new phone, like their version doesn't support the Joe Danger anymore. Like the most recent iOS doesn't support it. So they wrote a heartfelt email, which you can read. Uh, We'll put the link in the notes. And it was essentially like, this game means so much to us. And, you know, if there was any way you could bring it back, we would be beyond happy. And so they did exactly that. Oh, no way. They remastered it all in HD as a free update to anyone who ever purchased it. And they've reprinted oh, so it. Oh, so they market. remastered it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't just Like, it's not it. just, uh, I don't know, make the necessary tweaks. So no, no, they've remastered it, and they said it looks better than ever before. And oh. they're not, this was a hobby project for them. They're not even really yeah. doing it for the money. They just did it simply uh, because they received this really heartfelt email. That's really nice. So positive, positive news. Yeah. So they're no longer infamous. No. <laughs> No, I mean, they they did recover well after the initial fiasco of No Man's Sky, as in the game is actually very, very good now. But yeah, this story is really is really nice, actually. Seeing as we're on the topic of games and game stories, I think we're now approaching the juice of this episode. Recently, for the Chinese New Year, Steam has held a massive sale. Seeing as Marco and I are very budget-conscious gaming enthusiasts, we found that all the infamous Wolfenstein games were available for dirt cheap. So we've essentially had a week-long session of just traveling through time. And this had us thinking of dystopias and alternate realities in pop culture, which answered the question, what if the Nazis, or similar, won the war? So we have some examples here. Some are stupid, like really stupid. Some are cautionary tales. And some make us wonder if the shotgun or the bombenschuss are more effective during a zombie Nazi uprising. <laughs> wow, I couldn't have introduced this topic better, better myself. Yeah, like you said, Wolfenstein, we're talking about the latest games, the ones developed by uh, Machine Games, who's a Swedish developer. And they're still published by ID Software, is that correct? Or id? I don't know. I don't even know if id software technically still exists. I mean, obviously the founders, so like John Romero and John Carmack are out. I don't know. I think the, I mean, the, the IPs as in Wolfenstein, Doom and Quake, they're owned by Bethesda now. And there's actually like an interesting story behind that. I was researching on it to go back to the very, very, very beginning. Wolfenstein 3D was one-off, if not the first first-person shooter developed yeah. by id Games. Monumental game in, in history. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was insane by the time. I think it released maybe in the late 80s or early 90s. And that was, let's say, the basis for first-person shooters as we know them today, because then id Software went on to develop Doom, and then Quake, and then various sequels of them. In time, id Software kind of dissolved, or at least the core people uh, left. 
And the rights ended up with Activision, of all companies, who developed a reboot of it. I think it was in 2009, even. And that one didn't sell particularly well. And so Activision went on to to sell a bunch of IPs that it owned. And one of them was Wolfenstein. Another one was Doom, which then were acquired by um, Bethesda. And here we are today. Which now both belong to Microsoft, so it doesn't really make a difference. The original Wolfenstein, you played a spy called BJ Blaskovitz. Yeah. Was it set in an alternate reality, or was it just set during no, the war? No, no, no. It was set during the war. Yes. So, okay, little, uh, little distinction to make. The original one is actually not a first-person shooter. It's like a top-down stick figure game like from the 80s when we say original we mean let's say the the most influential one yeah we mean wolfenstein 3d so the first 3d first person shooter takes place during the war so you're a prisoner of war and actually like the the first level or the first room you're in is iconic because it's your prison cell and then you have to escape and that's why i think it's called escape from castle wolfenstein uh, yeah, or I think the first episode is called that. The first one is fairly realistic, as in, well, for what it, for <laughs> early 90s or whatever time it was developed. The following episodes that were released got more and more into, like, zombies and paranormal and things like that. But they all took place during the war. From the get-go, these were all meant to be outrageous. These were meant to be cartoonish depictions of the war, where basically you shoot Nazis for fun. And it's no spoiler now because the game is so old, but the final boss of the very first Wolfenstein 3D was Mecha Hitler. So you got to fight against Hitler himself, who had yeah. mass who was in a robot essentially, like a mechanical robot with like massive rotating chain guns as arms. Yeah. Foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so that was so so that was it. Then in 2001, they rebooted the series with Return to Castle Wolf- Wolfenstein, which was developed by Grey Matter Interactive and published by Activision. You're still playing as BJ Blaskowitz and you're part of an US paranormal activity um, unit. Your mission is to go to Castle Wolfenstein, where the Germans are experimenting with uh, like mechanical soldiers, as well as they're trying to unlock paranormal powers. That's sort of the tone for the most recent ones as well, isn't it? Uh, kinda, yeah. Hang on. Then they rebooted it again in 2009, still published by Activision, but this time developed by Raven Software, which I think they've worked on a bunch of Call of Duty games, I think thing yes and these ones were quite popular especially online because you got to play like access versus allies and it was quite fun yeah yeah and apparently they kept it online and but anyway that one didn't review well the online part was very popular so they like they did that so then that was the time more or less when activision sold off the rights to uh, wolfenstein and they were picked up by bethesda who then rebooted the series but they went in a different direction rather than set the game up within the like in the 1940s still during the war this one is an alternate future or or an alternate reality where the nazis win the war and so the game the new order which came out in 2014 takes place in the 1960s 
in a world where the Nazis rule. And they rule the whole world. So like you wake up in the 1960s and basically all their rivals have collapsed and uh, there is a new Nazi hegemony across the world and beyond. Yes. And that is the main theme for this new series of games. The completely over-the-top violence. You can dual-wield weapons. You can. It's got no realism at all. No. But it's a ton of fun. It, the, yeah. the story is very good. And what I like about it is you get to know what happens in the world through like little pieces of newspaper that you find lying around or like headlines from different parts of the world. So you see newspaper clippings from like Italy, from US, Germany, and like many other countries. And so you get to understand more or less that the Germans win because of like some technology that they develop and the US collapses as a result of that. Essentially, all the events which happened in reality are put in favor of the Germans. And, you know, it's implied early on in the game that the, the Nazis have discovered some new technology because, like, you know, they're clearly way ahead mechanically compared to the Allies. Like, they've got, like, super jets, and, and, and that's when the, the tide turns. And as you said, those news clippings will be like, New York is bombed with an H-bomb and America surrenders or something along those lines. Yeah, which I find really cool. Yeah, and then there's lots of fun little things, like, um, for example, the Beatles... They're German now, and they're, they're called Die Käfer, <laughs> and you can find them. Really? Like, yeah. I, I missed that bit. Okay, oh, wow. There's lots of little things like that where yeah. um, a lot of like famous or cultural icons from yeah. you know post-war era have all been made German, and it's just stupid. <laughs> like I think the, the job that they did in recreating the world in this what-if scenario is very, very cool. They did put in a lot of effort and a lot of little details. For instance, there's a big chunk of the game that you play in Nazi London. It's both like frightening and fascinating at the same time to see like Big Ben next to this ginormous fascist architecture. And I think we need to say like, apart from the the setting, which is this alternate reality, the game itself is really good. Like the action is fast paced. The graphics hold up, even though it's from 2014 and the sequels are a little bit yeah. more recent. But they hold up and the the weight of the weapons and the different kind of arsenal that that you have at your disposal, they all play very differently. And let's be honest, it's the like the physics of it. Like when you shoot a Nazi, it feels good. Like they've weighted it really well. And that's actually what developer Machine Games said, that Nazis make for very good bad guys because, and I quote, who doesn't love killing Nazis? <laughs> So yeah, the they are caricatures. I mean, you're shooting bad people, and it's made abundantly clear that everyone you shoot is bad. Yeah, exactly. So the main bad guy, who actually appears from the very beginning, he is this scientist who's developing murder weapons, essentially. And he, he is like the typical evil, sadistic bad guy. On top of that, it's not just the world and the bad guys. The characters themselves are very very interesting they they're very well developed throughout the series so in all the previous games blaskowitz was always the silent character and now he has a personality and he has a voice and he speaks and he has a love interest and it's uh, it's a bit of everything but it's uh, i think the characters are what make the game i have to admit i don't want to give away any spoilers but you basically both meet and bolster the resistance because there is a little bit of a resistance movement 
And as the game progresses, there's obviously the moment where your base is jeopardized and the Nazis storm in and you're trying to go back to help them. Some of the characters actually have a final stand and die or whatever. I genuinely felt for these characters. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think the characters, because without them, I think it would be a good first person shooter, not a great one. But the characters and the stories are what makes this game memorable. And it's an ongoing saga, so we're not going to spoil what's happened. Yeah. So that was The New Order, released in 2014. Then they took a step back and released The Old Blood in 2015, which is a prequel. So that one actually takes place during the war, so in the in the 40s. And that, for me, is kind. it was kind of weak. I thought it started really well. I think, as you said, the second half was a little bit weaker. It feels like the final boss was just very improvised. Without spoiling anything, I think the whole final third of the game was just not very interesting for me. No, but it's still a good game. It's just that the first one was better. The cool thing about that one is you get to see sort of like the origins or the the first iteration of like the technology that takes place in the first game. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what I really enjoyed because... The the first one was set in the 60s, and so you got to see all this over-the-top and crazy uber-Nazi army. Yeah, mechanical soldiers and things like that. But you in yeah, in Old Blood, you get to see how they were developed or like how they looked like 20 years prior. So for example, the the big mechanical soldiers, they're hooked on to the electricity. Like they have a plug basically. Yeah. Or they have a cord, and so they can't move away from that. So they move sort of like a tram. But on the flip side, you've got no weapons which can defeat them. So there's a trade-off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you defeat them basically by turning off the power, but, uh, <laughs> which which was uh, which was actually pretty pretty interesting. And then I think so. The um, the whole saga is littered with like Easter eggs. So you can play the the original Wolfenstein they 3D. They were amazing. There's a little Doom, but. In the old blood, there was the funniest Easter egg of all. I don't know if you caught it, but in one of the levels where, let's say, um, maybe it's worth mentioning before, in all these games, there's a cool mechanic where you enter levels where there's a commander who has a radio uh, alarm. You should kill the commander first because then he doesn't trigger the alarm and the alarm triggers a bunch of other bad guys. Yeah. So in essence, the commander calls for reinforcements. So if you kill the commander, he can't. It's actually pretty nice because you can choose whether to go in stealthy and try to kill everyone silently or to just go in guns blazing and kill waves and waves of enemies. I can never manage to actually kill them silently. So they always spot me. So there you go. But anyway... As you're getting into one of these, you hear like, and throughout the whole game, you hear like random conversations of all the characters. And I think that's a, like, it's a nice touch, but there is this one conversation between like two soldiers and they're all, they're speaking in German. The so you get this, so, yes. So <laughs> one, one soldier corrects the other, another one, because it's like, no proper grammar. We need to have like in proper, this is a proper language and it needs to have proper grammar. And it's like. They put in a grammar Nazi, which I laugh. Yeah. I have to pause it to laugh. I, the conversation was literally, the guy was saying, oh, I was lying in bed. And he goes, were you laying in bed or lying in bed? And he goes, what's the difference? You lay eggs, you lie in bed. <laughs> 
yeah so yeah so that, that was it and that was so that the the highest point of the franchise so far for me has been that one but it's in the weakest game i have a i have a little confession for this episode i wanted to have a running gag of trying to put as many nazi jokes as possible one of them was <laughs> grandma nazi and the other one was i did not see that coming <laughs> anyway moving on moving on after that, there's the new Colossus, which I am halfway through, and or not halfway, maybe even less than that, but whatever. Um, and it's even more, like it's everything from before times 10, even more over the top. There's m- even more interesting bad guys. There's awesome weapons. The, the story develops. And so I'm really looking forward to finishing it because it's, uh, because it's, it's really good. The new Colossus is from 2017. There's a newer sequel, which is called Young Blood, which apparently takes place in the 80s. And you can play co-op. So there's, I'm inviting you to play co-op. Uh, I'm <laughs> with totally me. there. I think it's worth mentioning that all of these games are ultra-violent. They are essentially splatter games. There'll be a lot of yeah. blood. And that's the sort of thing we're talking about. And it's obviously a game which visits an alternate universe where the Nazis won the war. Now, Marco, switching from games to movies, have you ever <sighs> heard of the movie Iron Sky? I think I've seen it. It was from ages ago, wasn't it? Uh, there's two of them. There's Iron Sky okay. and Iron Sky, The Coming Race. So okay. the first one was, I think, from 2014. Fun fact, it is Finland's most expensive movie ever. <laughs> okay. It is terrible (laughs) it very much has the same vibe as wolfenstein so it's um the the storyline is crazy so in the final days of the nazi regime the nazi top scientists escape earth and they hide on the dark side of the moon and they're plotting their revenge oh yeah okay yeah i think i've seen it Yeah. yeah they basically plot their revenge and fly back to earth in a super nazi spaceship it's as stupid as it sounds. It's okay. filmed with like green screen. It's over the top imagery. It's stupid. It's a bad comedy. Right. As with all of these terrible movies, it has a cult following. Of course. And so they made a sequel, which is just as bad. And it mocks a lot of popular culture, like, you know, iPhone fanboys and, and, and cults and all that sort of thing. And yeah. The interesting thing is that movie was actually funded entirely or partly funded by Indiegogo. Oh, really? So it was crowdfunded. But it very much also visits this alternate reality sort of dystopia involving Nazis. Oh, wow. Okay. I got to check it out then. Yeah. Check it out if you're having like a, an alcohol-fueled night in because it's, don't, it's, there's nothing artistic about it. So a Tuesday, what you're saying. <laughs> and I need to warn, if, if you guys want to watch this movie thinking it's good, you are going to be very disappointed. But that's the appeal. It's one of those movies that it's so bad that you might actually enjoy it. Well, then speaking of still like staying in the, in the topic of dystopias and stupid, uh, one of the, I don't know how we can define it, I guess guilty pleasures is uh, Idiocracy. Oh, man. <laughs> so, it's, well, okay, this is, Idiocracy is not really an alternate reality though, isn't it? It's a, Again, a comedy slash cautionary tale of a dystopian future, but it's like our reality. The guy just wakes up, what, a hundred years in the future? Mm, Yeah, something like that. I mean, yeah, he's, he, they, 
He's like a soldier, right? I think that's the the storyline is he's he's Mr. Average, like average IQ, 50th centile in everything. And yeah. um, the the army does this project where they freeze him and then they forget about him because the project gets defunded and he wakes up 100 years later and yeah. the world has basically gone towards the lowest common denominator generation <laughs> after generation <laughs> after generation. So yeah. essentially, the world can no longer function on itself because it's just run by idiots. Yeah, who water plants with Gatorade because it's got electrolytes. Well, yes, it's the only thing. <laughs> and like Starbucks is now a strip club, and uh, and was it? There's a burger chain in America called Fuddruckers, and it basically becomes. <laughs> Never mind. No, no, cut this out. It's it's fine. Um... <laughs> Yeah, but it's funny. Like it's just really silly and guilty pleasure. Yeah. On a more serious note, you've recently been watching another quite scary or concerning dystopia in The Handmaid's Tale. I'm yeah. I'm really late to the party here, but oh my god, it's just out of this world. I had never heard of it. I know there's a book from I think the eighties. I know you've read it and you've read and you've seen the whole series. So I, I just watched Handmaid's Tale seasons one and two. And wow, I did not know what I was getting myself into. To summarize, the book, the first book is fantastic. It's written by Margaret Atwood, who is a phenomenal science fiction writer. And the book basically is the memoirs of this nameless person called Off Fred. And Essentially, she is this handmaid, and in a future dystopia where male fertility, or actually all fertility, has declined, and it's hinted at it's because of like the use of chemicals in agriculture and this, that, and the other, but basically the world is in a very bad shape ecologically. This basically was the perfect breeding ground for extremism, and then there is a ultra-religious conservative coup, which completely turns upside down what America is essentially. And it, yeah. it's hinted that there's a civil war in America. California is now separate. Uh, the East Coast is basically this um, new ultra religious state called Gilead. And we learn about this world through the, the narration, through the memoirs of this one handsmaid called Offred. The first series of the TV show basically yeah. chronicles the events of the first book. And it's incredibly well done. I think it got Margaret Atwood's blessing. It was great. And it was just renewed, I think, for a fifth season. So it it goes on. Fifth and final, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe. I don't Uh, know. Remember, guys, we fact check nothing. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, the, the series, so I can only speak for the series. It is insane, as in what Des just said about this dystopian future where this ultra-religious, ultra-conservative movement takes over the United States, or what's left of the United States. Kind of like in Wolfenstein, the world-building is done very, very well. You get to know a little bit more about the world in, in every episode. What's really horrific is the way women are treated. So they become, essentially, they go from being, let's say, equals to having their purpose be only the one of bearing children. And that is it. The women are divided in classes. So there's the aunts who train the handmaids, who bear the children on behalf of the wives, 
who are just wives, and there's the Marthas, who are basically maids, who cook and clean and do that. And that is it, while men have uh, a few more freedoms. Everyone is ultra-religious, everyone has a strict uniform, so like wives are, are dressed in green, handmaids in red, Marthas in grey, and aunts in brown. And it's very, I don't know, it's, it's very heavy, because... Women are not even allowed to read, and if they read, there's horrible punishments. If you re- if you're caught reading once, you lose a finger. If you're caught reading the second time, you lose your whole hand. They take away your eyes like nothing. The the people are hung and in, like in the middle of the city, so for everyone to see. And it's just, yeah, it's just horrible. And we we're kind of talking about it uh, earlier about how it's a really good series but there's only so much of it you can take because of all the like there's only so much suffering you can you can watch that was my biggest complaint of the second season in particular so margaret atwood abandoned the idea of a sequel back in the 80s because the world was in a very different place and she thought there was no need to revisit this topic so to speak but with recent events and the success of the TV series, she decided to finish the story and she gave her blessing and was involved with the TV series. So she didn't want to step on anybody's toes or, you know, force the TV series to follow her book. So what she did was she wrote uh, a second book called Handmaid's Tale, The Testaments, which is essentially going to be the end point of the series. So we know what happens. And the book, I don't want to give anyway any spoilers, but it doesn't follow the original character anymore. It follows a different character, which is linked. Okay. And I think from season three onwards, there is more direction to the story and they're able to guide it towards this book, if that makes any sense. Right. Okay. So season two has nothing to do with the book. No, season two is completely made up by the writers. Oh, okay. I don't know. And then... The other seasons are also made up by the writers, but at least they have a goal, if that makes any sense. They're steering the storyline towards the events in, in, in the second book. Okay, okay. I get it. Other than that, it's got, for example, an incredibly good Elizabeth Moss. She's awesome in this. And all the other characters, I think, are pretty well. The cast is very good. And it's all faces that you recognize from other shows, but you can't pin a name. Yeah, there's uh, Rory from uh, Gilmore Girls. Yes. From Gilmore Girls. I'm ashamed to say I do know that. <laughs> yeah, and you don't have a sister. I do. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, she grew up watching that. So I was always kind of like in the background at home. I never actually watched them. Watched it myself. They speak way too fast. The, but yeah, no, the cast is really good. The setting is well done. I wouldn't say it's good because it's it's rather horrifying. But yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited to to move on to season three. But I've got a type recommendation. So remember, type was our book reviews, but we'd both read very slowly. So our book reviews. <laughs> yeah, are a I bit forgot lacking. how to read this. Uh, <laughs> so obviously, the books by Margaret Atwood we will recommend. And if you're the kind of person who likes to read with pictures, I have a comic book recommendation on something. <laughs> Again, visiting dystopias or what-if scenarios. And everybody knows the story of Superman. Mm -hmm. And Superman came from the planet Krypton. He landed in America, in in rural America. He was brought up with good old-fashioned American values. And he became the Superman that we know. 
Mark Miller, who's a very famous comic author, wondered what if Superman landed in the Soviet Union? Oh, oh, okay, wow. And this is a very famous short limited series of Superman called Superman Red Sun. And essentially, it's not, you know, a direct opposite of Superman, but it basically he becomes a champion of communist beliefs and communist values of like equal rights across the world and abolition of poverty. And obviously being Superman, he's able to enforce it and the Soviet Union becomes super powerful. But okay. they have all the other characters of the DC universe. So, like, he fights Batman, but instead of being the orphan of a billionaire businessman of the Wayne yeah. Industries, he's like the orphan of like a, of like a uh, of a murdered uh, Soviet official, and he grows up on the streets. So instead of being like this millionaire, oh, okay. so playboy, Batman is also in like uh, Soviet. Yeah, so Batman's also Soviet, but he's like the gritty street thug who's smart no instead of being like the the techie billionaire he's like yeah, the, yeah. the clever grounded person and you know it, it's actually done really well and there is the comic short limited series that you can find in forms of a graphic novel but there's yeah. also a, a dc animated movie and dc's animated movies are great yeah for sure this is no different and it was just released in 2020 by the same name Superman Red Sun. So you can find that on um, on Amazon or or other websites. You have to buy it. It's not on streaming, but you can find it on okay. all That's wherever cool. you find your streaming videos or purchase yeah. whatever. Yeah, and yeah. it's quite cheap to buy. There are other means that we always mention, but we would never advise to see it as well. No, of course. It would never be www.pirate. Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Found it. <laughs> um no but of course not that would be wrong i mean maybe in soviet russia it would be okay but not here those were just a, a few mentions of alternate realities uh revisiting the gaming classic and monumental icon of wolfenstein which has been remade by machine games we've also looked at other cautionary dystopias in the stories told in the hands made tale as well as some more crazy over-the-top fun with Iron Sky and the, and the sequel, as well as Superman, what if he was Soviet in Superman Red Sun? So on that note, Marco, how was your beer? Wow, it's pretty heavy. <laughs> so first of all, I just, I just Googled this. So uh, the beer is called Delirium Tremens, which is a rapid onset of confusion, usually caused by withdrawal from alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so i'm kind of afraid of what's gonna happen once i finish this man again this is a um, it's a very strong blonde beer it's good it's like slightly malty you can definitely feel the alcohol in this not a good session beer i would say like you can you cannot drink many of these without dying but overall it's uh pretty good so i'm gonna give it a four out of six cool yeah and uh, what about you? Mine's actually pretty good. So I've come to the conclusion that I like grapefruit IPAs. I think grapefruit and beer works really well. Yeah, they're good. And um, I think you tried the Elvis juice on the show, and I've had it as well, Brewdog's Grapefruit Beer. Yeah, I really like that one. I think this one's just a little bit less good than that one. I don't think the grapefruit really punches through, but okay. I would still give it a good score because I am wait, really let, enjoying it. Wait, wait, wait. It. Let me see Elvis. So we reviewed it ages ago, and, it, and we gave it a 5.5. 5. 
Okay. Uh, Elvis juice. So I'm going to give this a five out of a full six pack because I think it's just a little bit less grapefruity than the other one. But it's very good. Like, you will not be disappointed. And I think it's probably going to come cheaper than the Elvis juice one. So highly recommended. Awesome. So on that note, Des, let's hope that we don't end up in a future dystopia. And uh, if not, I'll speak to you next time. Speak to you next time.